0: When is the uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy podcast coming out? Oh, man.
1: There's going
2: to be one?
0: It feels like they're going to do it, right? Like, I mean, it started out as a radio show, you know?
3: I feel like it would either be great or awful. If it's called anything with 42 in the name, it's going to be terrible. <laughs> I, I want to make one, and it's called 42 Guys Who
1: Like Hitchhiker's Guide.
4: <laughs> they all talk it's at me, once. 42 are my friends. That would be 43.
1: Uh, Oh, shit. (laughs) One of them is a girl, so.
0: (laughs) Holy smokes, it's another bonus episode of Full Metal Analysts. Welcome to our show, where three writers analyze each and every episode of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, or in this case, the movie. I'm Michelle. I'm Arthur. And I'm Mike. And our guests today are siblings, which fits because this movie technically is all about siblings, although, you know. You can't really tell one of them is a writer who's making his second appearance on the show and the other is a podcaster who's just won the iheartradio next great podcast contest with her show frankly my dear the podcast please welcome to the show matt jakel and sienna Jaco. hey Hi, great to be here. I'm back strong for number two. He was our uh, <laughs> guest on episode 18, and Sienna. Now, Sienna, you have an interesting factoid about your relationship to Fullmetal Alchemist.
4: Oh yes, I've never seen it
0: ever. <laughs> <laughs> Which is great, because now you're watching a movie technically designed to be standalone.
4: Yeah, and I've heard that the show is actually quite good. I, I It's not exactly true, I've seen part of an episode long ago when a boy in high school was trying to court me. (laughs) It didn't go anywhere from there, but I thought it was a bad show because he was really stupid. But turns out, I've heard it's really good. And there are parts of the movie that did show me that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not
2: the best courtship show, right? Like no. <laughs>
4: Especially if you didn't like if you didn't check in to see if like that's something that the person might like. If you're like this is just universally the thing a sophomore yeah. in high school wants <laughs> yeah. to see. Yeah. This is
1: objectively good. Get ready. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I feel like I know lots of guys who tried to show girls this show as like a a flirting thing.
0: God, that sounds like a stupid idea. No offense (laughs) if you did it. (laughs) No,
3: they're all bad. I proudly have not.
2: We've all made stupid mistakes. You know, we've all taken our lightsabers out. You know, and, I, and, what, and, I don't, and what I mean is I mean like actually a lightsaber That we keep in our closet to impress a girl
3: <laughs> Yes
1: Yeah, but Mike How do you decide, say you have a girl over How do you decide whether to take the out the lightsaber the blue on the red one
2: right,
1: right Or, you know, maybe it's not a lightsaber day Maybe it's one of your actual swords that Right, you
2: it depends on the girl it depends like, on How do you know if classy. it's going to be the foil Or the, right. the epee <laughs> It's how classy she is that, that, you know, you know what I mean? Like,
4: yeah. see, that's nice. You have to really know the girl before you can decide that. That's nice. I, I like that. Yeah. You know, yeah. versus just trying to show every girl you meet, you know, Full metal.
2: You can tell a lot about a guy from his sword collection, you know. <laughs> right.
1: So it's like it's, it's a dagger and wine kind of night, yeah. or a lightsaber and juice. Juice. <laughs> I like how we're avoiding talking about this movie.
2: <laughs> yeah, we, I really. Yeah. yeah. It's,
1: there's. It's like we're all standing like right next to the edge of a big, let's call it canyon. So, yeah. two <laughs> countries <laughs> we just are looking down and uh we're in kind of a unique position because we are a podcast about the show full metal alchemist sort of like a watch-along thing but i think quite a few people who listen to this may not have seen the movie at all
0: and to those people would say don't <laughs> right <Yeah. laughs> there is something we must do oh no so no oh, oh, yes. no, no. no <laughs> not for this one yes now My. it's time for our improvised recap, where one of us will do an improvised, in this case, 41-second recap of the <laughs> entire movie. <Not> okay. <laughs> and that person will be chosen by the roll of a dice. In this case, a six-sided dice, because we have more than four people this time. I'm going to switch it around. You know, if he lands on one, it's Arthur. If he lands on two, it's Matt. If he lands on three, it's me. If he lands on four, it's Ian. If it lands on five, it's Mike. If he lands on six... We'll roll it again. Here we go. Let's roll the dice. Who was four? Was it me?
4: (laughs) No! No! It was was me. I'm four. Oh my. (gasps) Oh no. Nice.
0: Okay, Sienna, can you, this is probably going to be good. Your time starts in three, two, one, go. A little girl and a little boy are taken with their parents to escape from a
4: bad thing early on. And uh, a girl is scared of this book that has wet pages in it. And then uh, (laughs) moving forward, there's um, the main characters, the blonde boy and then his brother, who's a robot guy. uh, They somehow find these people and um, they're trying to save these countries that, and another country wants to become a new country, and they're all next to each other. And there's a big canyon, and there's also riddles that they need to solve in order to save um <laughs> magma. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Pretty I mean, man. Do you have more to say? Because I feel like you kind of summed up the movie. We That's like a reading at the back of the box, I think.
3: Yeah, you you hit all the important things. Oh, good. All right. I'm, good.
0: I'm glad you hit the
2: magma.
3: And you've got to love those great riddles that were definitely <laughs> actually in it. Uh, it's
2: a riddle—a riddle of bl- blood and tubes.
1: <laughs> a riddle of blood and tubes. <laughs> of blood and tubes should be the new name of the podcast.
0: I'm gonna jump off and start saying that Sienna, I appreciate you coming here and uh, and <laughs> watching <laughs> this movie without having seen Full Metal Alchemist. I just really want to know. Did you understand what's going on?
4: Uh, I At the beginning, I was actually pretty impressed that I thought that I was starting to to get it. By the end, I was completely lost, though it seems like that had less to do with the rest of the show, maybe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what I did pick up on was that these two boys are brothers, which I found out after quite a while of seeing them on screen. But the other thing I was trying to understand the whole time was just this alchemy. And I think I got a bit of it a gist that they kind of people... Learn alchemy. They read these texts and try to learn it, and then they can kind of shape the world and metal, and it's it, it has a special power. It seems to mostly have to do with molding and changing things, but um, later on, I was a little less clear on it. Once people were swallowing stones, right? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, generally, That's I think pretty I got good it. Though. I, I'm not sure what the show is like, like what the main danger of the show is usually because the show is much stronger. It's not much better. Oh my! You'd be surprised yeah.
1: about
0: that. We'll probably clarify a little bit for you, but... Well, to bring in some context, so there's this documentary they made about the making of the movie. We're going to put the link to that on the description. The interesting thing about this documentary is that they talk about how the this movie came out after the show ended, so they kind of just wanted to make like a new adventure set in this world, but they really mm. wanted to make it stand alone. Hmm. If you were trying to make it stand alone, it did not work. It did also, not they kind of gave up halfway through like yeah because the revelation that the Philosopher's Stone is made out of human souls that moment where they tell the people like the Sanguine Stone it's actually made out of human souls that moment that's not something they know at the beginning of the show that's something they found out on like episode 6 or 7 yeah so this is not really a good introduction to the show because if you were to go watch the show you would have to deal with like 6 episodes of them being like let's get the Philosopher's Stone and you know that they're not gonna want to use it Mm
2: mm-hmm that well, they did it's such a yeah. weird decision it just feels like two people died just to make the stone i don't know it didn't feel like enough of it didn't feel like no. it was like that
3: bad that's <laughs> the thing is like when you watch the show it's like wait if it takes two people to make a philosopher's stone that's like horrifying and also there would be a volunteer program <laughs> yeah.
0: right in the show they show that to make one stone you would take like 14 people 15 souls to make one small stone Uh Yeah, that's the other thing they don't mention is that like it eats your soul This is a show that really prides itself on the rules, but in the documentary There's a moment where the producers go, you know, we're going to a different land So the rules here are different and I'm like, no, (laughs) you you can't do that. The alchemy that what's-her-name did?
3: Julia, yeah I had no clue what that was supposed to be. Was that Alkahestri or? It's
0: sort of like a version of that Okay,
3: I think it's like a third thing
0: yeah
2: it's green alchemy every nation probably has their own variations it's like cheese like cheese
0: Before we go any further, and Sienna, I hope we're not confusing you with these explanations. (laughs) No, no, they're they're helping. The interesting thing about the documentary is that it gave a little bit of information on the director and the writer of this movie. This movie was directed by Kazuya Murata. He directed multiple anime episodes before this, but this is actually his directorial debut. Mm. This is not his first movie credit. He actually was an assistant director in Only Yesterday, a movie from Studio Ghibli. He was part of a production committee for Porco Rosso, too. And in the documentary they talk a lot about how he worked in Studio Ghibli. Which I think really shows because... This movie is kind of like, at and now enter a Studio Ghibli movie. You know?
3: <laughs> yeah, the animation is beautiful, and the is that like vague Prague type like utopian city of Ghibli.
0: <laughs> when the bad people showed up, it just felt like something you see in a Miyazaki movie, right? Plus, yeah. like plucky princess environment. No, all
3: the people with their headbands like really reminded me of Princess Mononoke people. Yeah,
0: that's the vibe I also had. Like that yeah. whole valley at the bottom.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Like hidden civilizations
2: and like
3: weird tubes. <laughs>
0: it, it was
3: interesting, though. There is this way that Miyazaki and the show, just Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, are both kind of meditations on imperialism. Mm-hmm. They're kind of anti-imperialist right. screeds, but this was just like a big, weird, clumsy version of the anti-imperialism of Full Metal Alchemist. It, this was batshit. Let's just <laughs> say what it say it, when it
1: was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, this the movie, movie was, was bad. bonker sauce. I
4: was I was really confused about the lands, the different places, the city, the country, the whatever. There were so many. Yeah, I don't know, like nationalities, or but they were all the same thing. What's the main Crayton? Which, by the way, their <laughs> name. Oh my God. Their last name is Crydon. Crayton. And then the Crayton are oh, like a people.
3: Yeah. Oh, I funny. was so confused by that. It was insane. When you asked, like, wait, I thought they were the Crayton's. I was yeah. like, no, Sienna, <laughs> the Crayton's are a people. Why would you? And then when they were like, Ah, oh, the crichtons
4: yeah. it blew It's blew So was Table City, what was that? Was that Kraton?
0: They kind of tried <laughs> to do a little bit of like lip service to that anti-imperialist feeling by explaining that like Table City was actually part of this other nation called Milos. And then Krata oh. came in and took over Table City trying to find the Sanguine Stone, the Philosopher's okay. Stone. Uh-huh. And that's why there's a valley, it's because they were digging. And meanwhile Amestris, which is this whole other nation, which is where the show takes place, yeah. Took over Table City from the Cretans.
3: It was not until literally the last like three minutes of the movie that I fully understood like what the Cretans did versus Amestris.
2: Why did Al even go
3: on this mission? You know, why did
2: they go at all? It makes no sense. Yeah. I think the reason is because they wanted to see if there was
1: anything they could give them their bodies back. Oh. It was totally, it's poorly set up. And there's clearly that's not going to happen because you have the whole rest of the show that happens (laughs)
2: after this. (laughs) Right. Maybe hearing some kind of rumors of a philosopher's stone or something. Something. like There are reasons that they could have been interested in all of this. You know, like there's things that... Mm -hmm. But it's like they don't personally connect to those things until like... I don't know. It's definitely after the midpoint, right?
1: I think that's the problem with the movie is that it's impossible to set up major stakes for these characters that are already situated in a show that fully explores those stakes. Yeah. So you have... All the characters you know and love from the show, who just kind of take a train into another town where we have a different movie going on that has a fully different protagonist, like the brother or sister. Like that is yes yeah. The movie is about what's her name, Julia. Julia, you
3: forgot her name twice now. <laughs> yeah,
2: I kept thinking it was April because she's dressed like April O'Neil.
3: I know. <laughs> what was with the outfits? Where there was a guy, yeah. the guy was in a John Wick outfit, and the lady was in an April <laughs> O'Neil outfit. <laughs>
4: Yeah, She escaped from prison wearing like a yellow leather jacket thing. Right. Yeah, at least yeah. he had
3: like a prison outfit
2: on, you know, right. and then got a scarf later to hide his neck scars, <laughs> which I guess were just there because he stole somebody's face. Which
0: That <laughs> can't even get it's that because okay, that yeah. was the moment. If you go on our Twitter, there's a photo of me making this face of just complete confusion. That was the moment I did that face when they reveal that. Ah, we can't we can't get into that. He's wearing somebody else's
2: skin. Ah.
0: One
3: of the totally rational assumptions you made, Sienna, was that Full Metal Alchemist is a show where people steal people's faces. That's and not a thing. That, it's never <laughs> once even sort of happened.
4: There was so much skin taking. They also talked about it like it was like chill, possible, yeah. easy.
2: Yeah, you know how that would look. It would look exactly like you think it would.
0: <laughs> oh my
4: gosh.
0: You know, we're gonna get into each of the characters. But before we do that, I just want to bring up a little bit in regards to the writer. Because the writer of this, Yuchi Shimbo, in the documentary they explain that this is a guy who like, he mostly writes novels. He's had like one movie credit, which was adapted from one of his novels. What Arthur was saying, that the problem with this movie is you can't have good stakes because we know these characters are not getting their bodies back. Because this is not said before or after the show. Not only that, but they specifically chose a plot which Ed and Al are completely auxiliary to.
2: Yeah. I think you could have had a plot line that they were more central to. Actually, way more interesting would have been just to have Ed and Al not be in this.
3: Honestly <laughs> There's there are things that they don't explore.
2: No, in the movie. Just have no ed like this this could have been a movie set in the world with these stakes, with these, you know, core principles that we come to understand about philosophy stones yeah. and wh- what they require and all this stuff. So we would have some inside information being fans of the show and be like, oh, this is Oh my God! They don't know what they're getting themselves into. This is the Sanguine Star. Oh my God! It's a philosophy stone. Oh my God! And then yeah. just no Ed and all Just to like why are you? You know, they just come in at the end for the fight scenes, and then the actual characters who who this matters to, don't really do much. Or, or and when they do, it it just feels
0: contrived and weird. They mentioned in the documentary they wanted a plot like Castle of Cagliostro, which is the loop in the third movie that Miyazaki directed. Or they wanted something like Indiana Jones. There's that joke everybody makes that, you know, if Indiana Jones wasn't in any of his movies, nothing would have changed. Well, that is true in a certain way. The reason why those movies still work is because, you know, we don't know that Indiana Jones is going to survive this. So we're not here because we want to see the Nazis... I mean, I like to see Nazis die. But this is not a movie called... Watch the Nazis get sucked up by the Ark of the Covenant. It's called Indiana Jones. This is an Indiana Jones movie where we know Indiana Jones is not going to die. So we're just watching Indiana Jones watch a bunch of people kind of do their own thing.
3: Yeah, when you watch Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark, you're thinking, oh my gosh, will he ever marry Marion and have a Shia <laughs> child of a child?
4: Yeah. From an outside perspective, I I mean, I definitely agree with Mike. Like, I guess I feel like it makes sense that they tried to do a movie that would be, you know, playing with the world that they've created and all these rules and everything that doesn't include the main characters as much. But um, it seems like from watching the show, like they changed some of the rules of the world and then the characters were in it way more... Than they should have been if they were going to do like a whole separate thing. Yeah. I honestly wish they had just made it about making jewelry because that was my favorite part of the whole movie. When oh, they me made too. earrings? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. That's cool.
2: I'm really glad you mentioned the earrings because, like, the earrings I think are the saddest part of this entire movie because they are almost, it is almost a compelling idea. <laughs> right? <laughs> it is so it, close. It is, it is so close to compelling the oh. fact that she made an earring for her brother and then the false brother of course never wears it and then the reason she's able to kill her actual brother although i'm not exactly clear on the details of the math of why this is <laughs> is because he was also wearing the earring that she had right like it's yeah. almost
0: that's nice hmm. it's almost set up
3: well the other brother as Darth Vader is crazy. <laughs> so
0: wild. No, 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 no. That is mad. You can't say he's Darth Vader because Darth Vader is introduced in the beginning of the movie. The other brother as Darth Vader literally shows up like 45 minutes in. He's no, given absolutely. as much attention as a background character. He's like, it's like yeah. it is the funniest thing. It was actually, I was the one right behind this plot all the time and we're like, who are you? Yeah. So I called it
3: just because like when he's like, I took his face and it's like, oh, I wonder if it's the guy with no face.
0: Like the man with no face that they introduced right before this. But fun fact, in the documentary, they say the earrings were not in the script originally. What? They added those late in the movie. Well,
2: you know, they they really almost brought something kind of together there. so yeah that makes sense it's also like what did they make it out of like this discarded robot nipple like what was that
4: <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, the top of a cookie jar
1: i want to start kind of at the beginning because i have some stuff to say so the guy's fake name originally when he goes to prison is melvin voyager
3: yeah melvin
1: voyager <laughs> melvin melvin voyager <laughs>
2: Really funny. It sounds like a, one of those quizzes. Like, what's your FMA universe name? Your FMA name is the nerdiest guy in your third grade classroom and his favorite Star Trek series.
3: Right. Yeah.
0: Mine specifically is Eugene Deep Space Nine. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> That's great. All the movie's problems can be traced back to those first 15 minutes. We start off with Julia. We see her getting taken from somewhere to somewhere else. We don't know what's going on. And then we see her parents dying and then her brother, there's a weird sound effect and something happens to her brother. And then we cut to Ed and Al, right? (laughs) Ed and Al are in Central. There's an explosion. They go there and they fight this guy who we immediately was like, that is the brother because that looks like him. We have a problem, which is who is the protagonist of our movie? It's not Ed and Al. It's Julia. But we're just as confused as Julia is in the beginning. We're actually more confused because we don't know where she's being taken from. Like, later on, we find out that they used to live in the valley. But because their parents were alchemists, they were pushed away into... Creta or Cretan or whatever the hell you call that country. But she's like, I totally did
3: not get that. I'm just like assuming because this movie seems to have weird political analogs, but but is not specific they about it. don't any quite of
4: play them. out, yeah.
1: There's some, it like skirts the edge of, of kind of a Palestine- Allegory.
4: I know they keep going and you're just not sure what they're trying to say. And there's
2: also like weird Hispanic names for the canyon residents, (laughs) for the Molotians.
4: For like three of them. Okay.
3: And then my favorite one is how there's a character named Alan. And then (laughs) Alan turns out to actually be named Raul before immediately
2: dying. That actually kind of throws out the Hispanic names for canyon people. Theory. Theory. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait. So confusing. This movie really only serves as a big weird thing to traumatize Ed and Al for later in the Not series. Not even Ed and Al.
0: I honestly think this movie only exists as like this very boring story about this female protagonist.
1: What I wrote down about Julia is that she's like the one human actor in a Muppet movie.
0: That's <laughs> right. exactly That what is a perfect
3: like... comparison. Yeah. <laughs>
4: That's exactly what she is. Yeah. The brother is
3: like the other human in the Muppet movie who is always Tim, Curry. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> Tim exactly. Curry. Right, 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 right. I am your brother. I'm your brother.
2: Do you think those bat people were more of a symbol? <laughs>
0: yeah, I, yeah, they, really... <laughs> I hate you. I hate you. <laughs> By the time we're starting to get used to what's going on, this movie throws something on us. Like, We're getting used to it And then suddenly Mm -hmm. there's bad people We're getting used to the bad people And suddenly there's the wolf people The wolf people don't even get fully explained Until the last (laughs) 25 minutes of the movie I still didn't know who they were I had to go on Wikipedia to look Wait, who, who, what are, can you explain? The wolf chimeras. Like, they are supposed to be workers for the Cretan army. Yes. Okay, somehow, Sienna, you picked up on this, That's the only thing I understood about this
4: movie. The only thing I understood were these werewolves. (laughs) Really? Oh
1: my god, please, can you explain it?
4: Well, no, I mean, I I didn't understand it in a way that's going to be helpful for anybody. But somehow, from the beginning, they were saying that they were part of the Cretan military. And I think they were just like a, whatever their special name is for their team. They were like a wolf- team that works for kreta but i also assumed that they were probably in the show
3: wait yeah this is a way that sienna was helped out i think by not having seen the show because these (laughs) are the only chimeras that are in this movie and they all work for the kreta empire or whatever so it would only make sense it was pretty clear to me
1: (laughs) it's pretty easy to assume from this movie that wolf chimeras are kind of a a faction in this show. That, right, <laughs> yeah. right, 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 right. They're kind
3: of a faction, and also kind of a rare faction that it would be weird for the Creighton Empire to have. Not, not one, not two, but three. So, you know, what you've done by watching this movie first
1: is kind of drank an entire bottle of Tabasco sauce. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> like, you're supposed and to And I'm like, put this it, could be good on some... Like, this could sort of good. Yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> like, wow, if you just sprinkled this over, like, 50 meals... The one constant in this movie is that every time anyone jumps or falls off something, they show that entire fall. Happen. Yeah, I
4: love that so much.
3: No, we had a huge laugh because like a wolf jumps off a
4: train. Yes. One
2: point, yeah, and he falls to the bottom. And I was like, and splat! It's like ten seconds of this wolf falling. He jumps six hundred feet and lands like a feather on the. And it's like, wait a second, like that guy's dead, right? Like you can't jump off. a moving train,
0: no matter what you are, and not splat, right? We rewatched that part. The animation in this, I really enjoyed it, but there were moments where it was like really well done and you could feel the way. There's this moment where Al is running down the hill while carrying Julia. And you could see his legs speeding up and struggling to keep up with the speed, with the momentum. That felt extremely Miyazaki, that little bit yes. of animation. Yes, oh, that was amazing. The animation was pretty. There are moments where there's just complete weightlessness in the characters. Like, they're just, totally. like, flying around. They're doing acrobatic <laughs> motions. Like, when Melvin gets out of the train and goes to the roof, like, he literally does a backflip that feels like it has no gravity. It just, he just goes, whoop, and it's... <laughs> It's insane.
3: Yeah. Ed sticks his foot out to trip people and they do a flip over them. And it just feels like that's kind of how people trip in this movie. Oh, want to hear my New York Times critic review of this. Yes.
1: Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Much like the bat people that appear in the first half of the film, I find the stakes of this movie to be weightless. Ooh. Oh, pretty good. So Julie is in prison. Which is also weird because we've been following Julia and then we go the span of like, I don't know, 10 years where we are not following Julia at all. We go from purely Julia's perspective to then switching to Ed and Al's perspective and then Julia just explains the past several years where she has been living in the valley and then went to jail. There's another dude, the fancy mustache dude. Oh, yeah. I was excited to see, but he's the worst version of this character in full metal. I was watching uh, all the Pirates of the Caribbean movies with... My friend and roommate. She was we were laughing about how every pirates movie has the like new villain who's just kind of a fancy man in the wig who works for the West Indian company and they're like totally interchangeable. He felt kind of like that. He, like has no impact on kind of the Davy Jones like big supernatural plot going on, but it's kind of just I just want to make money, blah
0: and dies at the end. Right. Full Metal Alchemist is a story that was written by a woman. It's female characters, they're not perfect but most of them are imbued with humanity and with purpose and with objectives and stakes, and all of them are characters in their own right. Every female character in this movie, and I'm not saying it's because it was written by a man, but every female character in this movie only serves as an assistance to a man. Absolutely. Even Julia. Julia's only thing is that she is Ashley's brother, and Ashley is kind of leading everything. It all becomes about how Julia has a connection to whoever they are fighting at this particular moment. Even her big moment of like power when she swallows the stone, it just feels like something she did because she saw the other guy do it it's like
4: yeah it did feel like that
0: did you guys watch the dub version or the sub version of this dub the dub yes we watched the dub too and uh i really like how the new actors they just seamlessly fit in you know they do a really good job connecting with these characters but the material they've been given is not up to par yeah it's weird when i'm connected more with that random soldier who dies uh pedro Pedro. I he, knew the, risks. Like, he I, knew the risks yeah, I liked Pedro a lot <laughs> sure. like, when Pedro, when Pedro Ed, got killed we were like
3: Pedro shows up and he's like my parents got killed and then he gets killed and that's his whole character. Well, but Pedro
0: yeah. works more because we get something that we don't get with any of the other characters, which is aftermath. You know, after Pedro dies, we get that mm. beautiful scene where we see the burial. Yeah, well, that was beautiful. That was very beautiful. That did feel very Mononoke. When that bad woman dies, the leader of the resistance, like yeah. she, just, she just dies and it's like, bye. It's like, ah, Rebecca. <laughs> uh, yeah. Wait, was her name Miranda? Miranda, yeah. Do something like that.
3: Yeah, it is crazy that we got that for Pedro.
0: Yeah, but I,
1: I know what that moment was supposed to be trying to do. Because Ed and Al were like, we don't want anything to do with this town. And then they see all the
0: death and suffering that's going on. And they're supposed to change their tune a little bit. I checked this because I thought the part after where they go into the underground city was very confusing. According to Wikipedia, they're there to destroy the stone and to stop julia from using it So oh. which was really poorly explained yeah so yeah
1: i like when julia first explains the legend yes wait are we gonna talk about the lava yeah where she's like there's this legendary substance it's called lava and legend <laughs> says that it's really really hot
3: and she doesn't call it a substance she calls it an ancient like force yeah, yeah it's a called course lava, called it's magma. really
2: it's super unclear it's one of the most convoluted parts because they're trying to explain what they want to do and they're basically like yeah we need to find the door of truth
3: and also there's lava <laughs> you know it's like wait what? yeah when-, when something is set in a weird time period sometimes you'll run into something where they'll invent something that already exists and you're like what and that was a moment where it's like wait have they not
0: discovered discovered lava well clearly they have because they call it lava when the dam breaks and lava starts floating into the valley oh
4: they do interesting i feel like a good amount of this movie is this true that a good amount of it was that they had i still don't really get what the ultimate goal was but that they had like options so like all right here are like three ways we could like beat whoever we're trying to beat (laughs) and then they just were talking about what the best one would be was like a
0: good portion of the movie Yeah. yeah that's how i saw it also, they, the problem with that is, like, the reason why they want to get the stone is because they want to overthrow a Mestris and get them out of Table City. However, when they actually start attacking Table City they're winning without the need of the stone. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. why did you need the stone in the first place? Because they're actually pushing them off perfectly. Like they're doing a really good job and they have the help of the people of the town. Like there's a guy who just throws a bomb at the window and runs back in. It's like, they were like, they concepted a
3: city and they were looking for one and they're like, what if we just did Omashu? Yeah. From, yeah. From Avatar. It
4: really felt like that to me, yeah.
3: And then they didn't explain anything else. Okay, so the city
1: is full of tubes. It turns out that the old version of the city is underneath the new version of the city, and all these different governments have been trying to excavate it to find the stone, and it turns out the whole city is a giant transmutation circle, but it's 3D. Yeah.
2: Oh, that was cool. It's 3D that was cool actually that was that no that was, was really, super cool right like when they did the flip it was like oh yeah okay let's see. full
3: metal alchemist
1: 3d yeah you can't have a movie in that in like 2009 without it being 3d yeah but do you think that's what all those people falling for a long time was like yeah it's like whoa they're so far away
3: <laughs> <They're> so <laughs> far away famously 3d movies love to show you how far away they <laughs> can. it's like it just keeps going <laughs> It's like I'm really there
1: looking Whoa. down to something very far away.
3: I'm reaching out and I really can't touch it. It's like I'm really far. It's like I can reach out and I
4: cannot touch it. I can never touch it. It's too
0: far. It's too far. Wow, it's so real. I believe how far it is. The funniest line in this movie had to be when out of nowhere fake Ashley just goes, our parents were killed by wolf chimeras. Like, God bless. Matt Mercer, he is trying his best. But that line, me and Mike, we just started laughing so much.
1: My favorite line, Melvin, (laughs) Melvin Ashley Atlas shows up and Ed goes, it's the fugitive punk. (laughs)
3: Yeah. Yeah. I think all my favorite lines came from this one guy whose whole job was to whisper exposition at different points in the movie. So like at one point he goes, so that's it. His soul is bonded to the armor. they first-
0: Tony! Oh. That's Tony, the security guard! Tony, that's tiny Tony! Tiny head Tony? That's tiny head Tony? <laughs> we were freaking We loved him. Tony. Tony was great. <laughs> hey, I'm Tony, I'm the guard. Tony was
3: brilliant because it happens a lot. Like when a character's far away, they kind of do like a chibi, weird animation of them. Mm-hmm. And Tony has, like, the distinction of looking exactly the same close up as he does far away. It's like, (laughs) thank God for Tony. He always knows what's going on. Just looking weird (laughs) as hell. We love Tony. I think that it, it felt weird for me in the context of this movie. And maybe if Julia had been a real character and not just girl protagonist person. Al is a really fascinating, great character. He doesn't have the same, like, macho impulse that Ed has. Mm -hmm. Right. There's something really nice about the fact that, like, Al is very maternal. Like, he just cares for people because he's empathetic, and he does. There's not a lot of self focus there
2: He's a great foil they're, they're they're a good duo even in this movie they still work as a pair. i don't know. yeah i think it's cool that al gets this at the end and there's sort of an
1: implication that we didn't get in the show itself that al gets horny that al gets horny yeah that al gets horny and no
3: that's straight up that <laughs> is that is an interesting... Let's not use be- because... horny in
2: relation to a 14-year-old, guys, please. Oh, shit. Yeah, 14-year-olds are not horny. Come on. <laughs>
3: That's not what I meant, Mike. A 14-year-old
2: boy? Come on. <laughs> let's be real. Let's be real. Al is my favorite character in the show
1: because he is so empathetic and sweet and caring and is like the emotional heart of everything, the like guiding star of conscience and heart for Ed and everything like that. It's cool to see, see a hint at that. And I think if this movie added anything which i'm not sure it did to the canon of the show at large it may have added that i can sort of imagine in my head that after the show is
3: over al comes back and and these two hang out i hope not like this is it is that i like the idea that al is horny i i think i just would so not ever want to see any of these characters come back absolutely not yeah that I'm just like, why for this awful person? Yeah. yeah.
0: Wait, is she awful? Uh, no, she's just she's, like she's a boring just bland. character. She's yeah. medium. Yeah,
3: she's just bland.
0: I think it's time we talk about the end. The person wearing another person's skins in the room, and I don't know if I put this in the podcast so far, but I mentioned that at one hour and ten minutes, or one hour and fifteen minutes—I don't know exactly—the movie literally just shoots itself in the face. So the big reveal is that the guy we thought was Julia's brother, this whole movie was actually some random security guard who showed up for one frame at the beginning of the movie who well, has he- some weird-ass plan about wanting to create a country and who then proceeded to not only kill their parents but also rip out the young brother's face and part of his skin, put it in his body, pretend to be him. Wait wait a second. Hold on a second. When he takes the, bo- the guy's face, yes. the brother's face, the yeah, yeah. brother is a kid and he's already an adult. Yeah, the way he was talking, it did not
3: seem like he knew alchemy before he overheard them talking about it. Right. At that point, I was like, wait, that's why there were two different scenes, is to show you that guy for a second when he would overhear something and then give him a plausible amount of time to learn alchemy? I don't
1: buy that. Julia has the other half of the tattoo that he needs, but because she's a child, He needs to wait for her to grow and stretch the tattoo out into adequate dimensions for him to use. Which is not how tattoos work. I don't know. If any of our listeners have received a tattoo as a child and has then grown, please let us
0: know. Is the implication that he immediately put on Ashley's face and became Ashley like seven years ago? To which I ask, how the fuck did his head like match and all that, like it body? Makes no sense. It it makes, makes no, no sense. sense. Or did he become Ashley in the prison? Which also doesn't make sense because they have a picture of him when he was put in the prison and he already looks like Ashley. And he's also using a, an alias in prison. I
4: don't know why you guys are so confused. Like, obviously, he used alchemy. That's not uh, that's
2: al- alchemy. <laughs> that's <works. true. laughs> not how alchemy works.
4: Wait. <laughs>
1: Sometimes it takes, you know, someone who, you know, is coming at this with a fresh eye <laughs> to really
2: It's like someone this out. explaining the last Jedi to me <laughs> <laughs> and who's never seen Star Wars and I'm like, "Oh, okay, well, I guess you just know everything, don't you?"
4: <laughs> I think this only works if you've never seen this and don't know the rules at all right. and can just be like, "Yeah, yeah, that I guess is what alchemy is because there seem to be no rules for it and people can just put other people's faces on themselves." Yeah. But you guys are saying that's not how it works.
3: That this guy used to be blonde was the craziest thing to me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he took his hair too.
4: Yeah, he did.
0: Right. You're
2: right. (laughs) He must have not had a lot going on in his life. You know what I mean? This is a long con, it's a big sacrifice. It's like, I'm going to look like this kid is just going to turn out looking just forever because my plan is to wait 20 years and then yeah
4: (laughs) wait is he able to grow his hair
3: whoa i don't understand man Uh... her fake evil brother gets defeated by her real brother who shows up and says i've saved you and gets juiced he's like also i am also evil
2: right but he's not so evil that he can't be knocked around and like okay i'm cool now
0: that was so confusing i just couldn't figure out who the bad guy was this whole face grafting plot makes me remember that there is a character in the show that can shapeshift. No, absolutely. I was thinking about that. Like, Envy exists and is alive at this point. Not only that, but also they try to make it so separate from the actual plot that they ended up making it just a weird echo of the show's plot. I feel like
3: all anime standalone anime movies are weird echoes of the
0: overarching plot. It's very odd. If they wanted to do a movie that is just these characters going on a standalone adventure, Why not start it before the series begins? Yeah. They're not going to find their bodies, you know? But that doesn't have to be the only thing they do, you know?
2: Right. It could have just been like a random mission that they had to do as early state alchemists.
3: What if it's a random thing they had to do for their teacher? Like, there's a whole world that they set up there that they don't explore at all.
0: Or like Sienna brought up, just don't have them there.
4: Yeah, that was me. Not Mike. Me. Oh,
0: Sorry. (laughs) Just kidding, it was Mike. And meanwhile, we lose like 15 minutes of it, just cutting back to other characters from the show who had nothing. (laughs) Nothing.
1: (laughs) Roy and Hawkeye just kind of taking a train into the city and be like, oh shit. And then kind of taking a train out at the end. That was basically their whole thing. Okay, we have one more plot point, I think, that we haven't talked about. And that's that, so the real brother is missing his face. He's been working his way through the military uh, he wears a mask now with like lots of tubes attached to it, and then right. he's just kind of watching things. And then at the very end of the movie, he unplugs all the tubes, like and right. all the juice comes out. And then he comes down. He's like, "Look, it's me, your real brother," and he stole my face. Then he kills Atlas, yes, who was pretending to be Ashley, who was pretending to be melvin but after that he's like i'm going to
3: kill you all or something yeah this was the part of the movie where it just became they like forgot to write an ending so they just all of a sudden started throwing other movies in here and like Uh in rapid succession you get this literal moment where ed is like cast it into the fire julia destroy it And she goes, no, (laughs) just have the Lord of the Rings moment. So you have Lord of the Rings, you have face off. And then immediately
0: that's followed by an, I am your brother (laughs) moment. Right. I mean, I don't really expect much consistency from twist villains. Mm -hmm. Atlas before he's revealed to be Atlas is like this very controlled guy. But Mm -hmm. when he reveals himself to be Atlas, the dude just flips. It's like he literally spends the last 10 minutes of the movie covered in blood, jumping around like was? a madman.
3: Yeah.
4: He was just red, and I couldn't figure out what why. why. <laughs> yeah.
3: I thought all his skin got blown off at some point. <laughs> That's another movie reference. You see, he was a rude red guy at that point. He was Deadpool. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> they kill Ashley, almost, and then Julia brings back the real Ashley and gives him his face
2: back. I thought there were no stakes or consequences at all for using these stones to bring him back to life, which which they qualified. He didn't actually come back to life. He was yeah. clinging the back end. to life.
1: Yeah, that like, oh, he was only mostly
3: dead. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Just for any rule grubbers out there,
0: he was not quite dead. And in exchange, she gives out her leg. Right, she loses oh. a leg. Oh, that's, oh, that's why, why she, she lost, lost a leg. That. I also didn't notice that. I It took me until she comes back later on with the mail. I was like, when did she lose her leg? And then I checked back and I realized that's supposed to be the prize she paid for giving her brother's face back. I guess.
3: fucker. If they just cut out like 15 minutes of meaningless eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, face for a leg.
4: It ends with him putting on a mask again. (laughs) Yeah, and then he puts a mask on
1: again. (laughs) So he's
4: still
3: fighting for the (laughs) Krayton? I I took that to imply that he's still fighting for the Kraton military against
0: her. I'm sensing a sequel. (laughs) Wait a second, wait a second. There's actually a moment at the end, the movie doesn't seem to focus Focus on a lot which is kind of fucked up ed and al are going back to mestris there's just this comment from roy where he's like wow they sure are loading a lot of soldiers here after all they are preparing for a war with milos and i'm like what the fuck no <laughs> what, what? no what? i know
3: ed and al is still working for the amestran military and will be for a very long time and like Amestris is going to like everyone they just helped Amestris is like straight up gonna kill
2: yeah oh Go conquer that city again, that
3: holy land. That whole scene, they're standing on this big stone pillar that they made with alchemy. This like very precarious stone cylinder over like a thousand foot drop. And she walks out on this round (laughs) pillar with crutches and I'm just like...
4: Can anyone help her? Why is she walking herself right now?
3: That guy who like was talking to her at the end, just in the middle of a conversation starts talking. Oh, also me, I'm an important character. Do you know my name? And (laughs) we don't. (laughs) We never Do will. Do you know
0: his name? I know his name. What's his name? Vatanen. Vatamin? Tony knows. That's a bionicle <laughs> name. No? Vatanen. V-A-T-A-N-E-N. Tony knows. Hey, I know who that guy is, okay? like uh, <laughs> That's how he sounds.
1: So we have some people on our Twitter. We put out the word today that... If you have any uh, takes on the movie, we would read them on the show. Let's
0: read some of those. First, start off with Straw Jam Love, who said, The plot was a little repetitive to what we know from the show, and it didn't fit very well into the timeline. You can say that again. But I enjoyed the art style a lot and seeing my boys made it worth it. I wanted it to be even more Winry and old man interaction. Winry deserves all the praise. Second old man Geppetto hill guy that
3: we've gotten.
2: There's no time to fix your auto mill. There's lava coming.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, you're the... Oh never mind. <laughs> <Let's>... <laughs> By the way, if there's one thing Minecraft taught me is that when lava meets water, it turns into stone. So That's check exactly your facts. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> check your facts, full metal alchemist. Hey. We also got a comment from Zombie Punk who said the art style was beautiful. The bad guy really wanted to be Kimberly, and also had like free identities. And I remember nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> you don't have to remember anything else pretty good pretty close and jad the mad one said i think that this movie shines in how much free reign individual animators were giving on to stamp the film with their own personal style it doesn't always feel cohesive with fma's general look or world a criticism i also hold for the film's kind of messy plot but I don't know much about the behind the scenes, so I can't really comment further. Again, I recommend checking out the behind the scenes documentary. We put a link to it on the description. There's a moment I actually really enjoyed in the documentary. Where they're all on fire and screaming. No, 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 it's actually, <laughs> it's actually a very emotional moment because the movie came out pretty close to the Japanese earthquake of 2011. Oh, interesting. They talk on the documentary about how, like, you know, people
2: need to cheer up. Some people lost family members, some people lost property, these people lost the plot. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's Mike's New York Times critic review.
2: <laughs> you know, it's uh, you know, god. I, I don't like to hate things, you know? <laughs> like it's not fun to be like, oh, you know what? That sucks. It's a little fun. Yeah, yeah, it is a little fun. But maybe it's like not like good to be like the guy who hates things. I didn't hate this movie. But I didn't like it. You know what
0: I mean? How's that? I had a fun time. Now it's time for us to grade this movie on a scale for 1 to 5 stars, as we always do at the end of the episode. I'm going to get started and I'm going to... Like, it hurts. It really hurts. I give this one star. Mm -hmm. No, Maybe two stars. Okay. I do think the animation is beautiful at times. And it just made me want to watch a Studio Ghibli movie or the show. Like, it couldn't do either perfectly. It's still, like, a bad version of the two. I don't recommend it. Honestly, if you're going for the completionist take, go ahead. Clearly not necessary, and almost by design. I give this a three
1: for what it is. I had some fun, and there were some cool fights, and uh, the the villain was so ridiculous that kind of looped around for me. I give it one star for what it could have been, which... It just feels like a lost potential. That's like my biggest disappointment in the movie, not what the movie is itself.
2: I think it's borderline unwatchable. And if I didn't have to watch it for the podcast, like if we weren't watching it for this reason, I would not have finished it or probably would have fallen asleep. (laughs) I think it is honestly trash. It is terrible. It's sad for me to see characters I like in it because it's just like, oh, God, it is garbage now the fight scenes are pretty cool but they're so sporadic and so meaningless that i just can't derive anything other than like oh that's kind of neat and i'm just gonna say one star unenthusiastic
0: you know who disagrees with you mike who the 2011 burbank international film festival who gave this movie the best animation feature award oh burbank, Whoa. <laughs> well, you know, if, they, you, burbank? if they hit themselves on the head with the frying pan
2: they'd probably <laughs> like that too <laughs>
0: you know like wait not only did it win the best animated movie it also won best animated writing and best animated direction
2: like how but but how you know like no not okay i'm
0: sorry so according to
1: burbank this beats out rango rio cars 2 kung fu panda 2 me and Juliet, wait a second. It was a rough year. It was a rough year for animation. Arthur Christmas, uh, the Smurfs, Mars Needs Moms, Happy Feet 2, Hop, Alvin Hippie, and the Hop. Chipmunks, Chipwrecked.
2: Oh, that was a good (laughs) one. That was a good
1: This may actually be the best animated movie of 2011, and
0: that is very sad. Going back to the grade, Sienna, what is the grade?
4: Gosh, well, the beginning of this movie, if it had all been just, like, the first 10 minutes, I'd probably give it, like, a three. Three and a half, maybe. But I just, like, the rest of it, like, didn't even, like, take. Like, as a movie, I didn't even, I wasn't engrossed in it after that at all. (laughs) So, I guess... I'd have to give it like a 1, but I'm going to give it a 1.5 because the parts that are clearly about the show made me interested in the show.
0: Would you watch the show?
4: Yeah, I would watch the show for sure. It was really uh, very interesting concepts.
1: So it worked as like a two-hour advertisement.
4: That's the thing. The advertisement took place in like the first 10 minutes as well, though. They told me what it was about. And I was like, that sounds really cool. And then I had to just sit there for the rest of this. (laughs) (laughs) As
1: As they told you. An unrelated story. <laughs>
4: yeah, an unrelated story that went nowhere.
3: <laughs> yeah, I think I'd give it a one. Because I was thinking before, it, before you said that, I was like, wow. If I had only seen this, I don't think I would ever watch the show. Like, it's too much. It's like, it doesn't have any of the subtlety or like interesting plotting of the show. The animation is gorgeous, but like, as far as anime movies go, it's pretty good. Yeah, I, I agree with Mike. I think I give it a one out of five.
4: I think I'm going to be so pleasantly surprised when I see the show someday.
0: <laughs> oh, I bet you are. And we're going to have you back for that.
4: It's just going to be called, Oh! <laughs> yeah.
0: And if you don't want to be in a well-animated but ultimately very forgettable mess, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at FM Analysts. That's FM, the word analysts, on Twitter. Subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave us a review. We love to see those. We love Testitos. Tis- God damn it. I changed it so. Because it originally was, we love to read those. And they were like, Doritos? <laughs> you cannot win.
3: It's, all, it's always going to be a snack food. It sounds like whatever you say.
0: We'd like to thank Sarah Lerner for managing our Tumblr. You can check that out at foametal analysts.tumblr.com. But watch out, there are spoilers there. If you like this episode and would like to hear more, why not subscribe to our Patreon? For just $2, you receive extended versions of each episode a week early. That's right. You can listen to next week's episode right now by going to patreon.com slash FM analysts. I'd like to thank our guests, Matt and Sienna for coming. Thank you so much. Do you guys have anything you'd like to plug?
4: I will plug my podcast, Frankly My Dear, which will be coming out in a few months. But before then, you can follow us so you can keep up with it. So at FMD the pod is our Instagram and our Twitter. Follow us there and You can uh, listen to our podcast soon.
0: Can you just tell us a little bit about it? Because I think it's a really great idea.
4: Well, you may be able to tell based off of um, how I've been responding to this movie, but our podcast, myself and my partner, Liana Holston, neither of us really understand cinema and we're both stupid and confused by most movies. So we are going to watch every movie on the American Film Institute's greatest movies of all time. And we are reviewing them as people who don't know very much about movies that's so, excellent if you don't know anything about cinema it's the show for you or if you do know a lot about cinema you can hear our fresh takes
3: i guess i'll just plug my twitter matt jakel or at magical m-a-j-i-c-u-l
0: i'm out there other than that just kicking around just
4: look for him kicking around
0: before you go mad at sienna we have a tradition can you two do your best full metal alchemist just like they do in the interstitials full metal alchemist
4: Full Metal Alchemist. Great. I only heard one of these ever in my whole life, and it was just now.
0: Pretty good. Full Metal Alchemist. That'll be all for now. We'll see you all next time on Full Metal Analysts. Until then, stay frosty, everyone. Bye.